Hello. We're live. What's up, everybody? You might notice a little uh, change in scenery today. I'm actually on a boat in Herzliya. I came down to uh, the center for Yomatsmaut. Uh, so I got a nice little uh, difference in setting here. We got a very special episode today. First, uh, first time ever touching on this topic. It's a debate between two Jews, Elijah and Rebecca. The topic is, will Reform Judaism survive? Before we get started, a quick shout out to our Patreon visionary members. We have Trivium Energy LTD. We have SOG Cannabis. We have Max Marine. And we have Geffen Posner. If you want to become a Patreon, a patron or support the show, you can find links to that in the description. All our supporters help us make our, our mission possible. And our mission is really to connect between people in conflict and foster greater understanding on uh, controversial topics. It's great to have you all here. Um, to my top left, we have Rebecca Sealfun. She's a member of West End Constructionist Synagogue in New York City. She was raised conservative Jewish and frequently, frequently writes about Jewish and other topics online with bylines in the New York Daily News, Smithsonian Magazine, The Daily Beast, Jewish Journal, and Levant X. Rebecca started Unity and Strength, an online community focused on Israel-Palestine Peace building and has received more than 1.2 million views. That's a community on Quora. Elijah, to my top right, is a Jewish high schooler from New York and a dual citizen of the U.S. and Israel. He's part of the Syrian Jewish community in Brooklyn and values and seeks to preserve his community's traditions. His interests include international relations, modern history, the Middle East, as well as politics, culture, demography, and religion. He has been published in bipartisan press and other outlets. So Elijah, you are officially our youngest guest we've ever had. So, yeah, congrats. Yeah, we're hitting new milestones every day. Um, you're also remaining anonymous. So before we get started, you want to just share why you decided to do this anonymously? I mean, it's pretty multifaceted, but I prefer to be able to just speak my mind freely and not have to necessarily think about repercussions in doing so. Not as if the repercussions will be particularly harsh. I just I just like that layer of separation between my personal life and uh, my online life, I suppose. Great. And so, as you all know, we do give the potential for anonymity on our show. Uh, I do. I normally allow it only after I have some kind of an existing relationship with the guest after I've known them for at least a few weeks and know that they're not going to just use this platform to spread uh, hate or something like that because on with with. Anonymity, there is less accountability. So the precondition to being anonymous is that you know I can understand that they're coming on and really to engage in good faith, essentially. So we're going to get started, and I we will do an after party in Discord, like always. So get ready for that. For those who haven't joined our Discord yet, join. We do after parties, and after parties essentially continuation of the conversation where the community can join. So they're always fun. Um, well, I guess one last thing. Rebecca, this is not Rebecca and Elijah's first conversation. They're both active members on the Sulcha Discord, and they've had a back and forth about Reform Judaism uh, quite, quite a few times now. So we decided that instead of just going back and forth for hours via text, let's, let's go live. Let's have a voice conversation about it. So that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, Rebecca, we're going to start with you. And the question is, will Reform Judaism survive? Reform Judaism represents a very distinctive offering within the larger Jewish 
peoplehood alongside with related movements to reform like my own movement, Reconstructionism. Reform Judaism represents a synthesis between ideas that we have had that are ancient and ideas that we've had that we have encountered more recently. The Jewish people are a very valuable ancient tradition, a very distinctive contribution to the world cultural dialogue. However, religion in general has faced a lot of challenges with the modern world. For many centuries, for example, Europe was able to suppress science so that it could not be open to honest discussion. However, a few centuries ago, the dam broke and we are finding a number of things that really challenge faith. For example, to name one of many things, the fossil record shows a very different picture than the picture that is shown in the Torah of how life came about and was destroyed. The Torah is the first five books of the Bible. Now, this has challenged a lot of people along, and on the faith aspects alongside cultural changes to the Jewish tradition and to other traditions. With the development of the market economy, this became an important way of sustaining Judaism in reality because it required a lot of logistics that became the most available through the market economy. However, participating in the market economy presented its own type of challenges because it placed Judaism into a situation where in order to be in it, you might not have to do what's quite traditional or you might have to at least engage with people who are not so traditional. So Reform Judaism represents a synthesis of the ancient traditions and the challenges we face now. This is why I believe that it will survive. Pew says, Pew is a polling, polling group, and they say that reform has a little bit of a numerical challenge right now with retaining its own people across the generations, largely due to intermarriage. On the other hand, reform as well outperforms the other branches of Judaism in terms of attracting people from other movements. Reform also outperforms the other branches of Judaism in terms of gaining converts. Reform also outperforms the other branches of Judaism in being able to respond to changing conditions, perhaps most importantly of all. And this is why I believe people will step forward and will correct many of the issues that Reform Judaism has right now. I am very excited and proud to be stepping in and hoping to be able to be part of the group that is working to correct our challenges before they become even worse. But every single culture has challenges at really every single point. And as far as reform is concerned, it could be better, but it 
really could be a lot worse. Nobody is predicting that in the next couple of generations, reform is going to disappear, for example. People are predicting that it will continue. Thank you, Rebecca. Elijah, the floor is okay. yours. Will reform Judaism survive? Okay, first I want to start off and say you misread the data that Pew presented. Pew, present, Pew said that there will be an, an almost parallel number of uh, non-Orthodox Jews and Orthodox Jews uh, in the year 2050, although the Orthodox population will be significantly higher. Um, one thing I want to say is there are lots of other movements within non-Orthodox Judaism rather than outright reform Judaism. There's conservative Judaism. There's what you thought about Reconstructionist Judaism. There are so many different types of Judaism that are non-Orthodox. And I think you're assuming homogeneity within these movements, but that's not really accurate in terms of practice and in terms of and in terms of uh, philosophy and thought on Jewish tradition. Uh, that's one thing I want to bring up. And uh, although Although I do not think that, that Reform Judaism will die out in the sense that there will be no more Reform Jews, I think it's quite naive to suggest that there won't be a massive decrease in the amount of Reform Jews. Uh, I think it's 48% of Reform Jews intermarry, and they have a birth rate around around 1.2 of a 1.2 uh, children per two women. Just that those demographics are not sustainable in the long term. The only way Reform Judaism, at least in my opinion, can continue to survive is either by, is either by attracting more Jews from other movements and then cause them to intermarry later on and leave the Jewish people, or by more or less going back to a more traditional view of Judaism, which arguably in Reform Judaism, recognizing the crisis they're having in regards to keeping people Jewish in terms of uh, like generationally, are ha is having this movement within it to bring back tradition and and conservatism within the movement. And and I think that's a very good thing, although I do think it should go a bit further. Uh, one more thing I want to point out about Reform Judaism is that the populations of which it's, uh, the populations of which it's bringing out people from, except obviously the non-Jewish population and the Orthodox population, are having massive issues in regards to sustainability. Uh, conservative Judaism is slightly is faring slightly better. However, they still do not have uh, population growth at replacement levels, and that's a, a very big portion of Reform Jew of Reform Jews come from conservative Jews. And although I do think that obviously, and, and only around. 6% of Orthodox Jews uh, of, the of the Reform Jewish movement were originally Orthodox. And I'll say that I'll, I'll say that I'll say that this this will probably remain consistent in terms of a number. I don't the numbers. I don't see any reason suggesting that many Orthodox Jews will become Reform Jews. But many of the uh, but but many of the populations they're drawing on are becoming lesser in size. And in regards to the non-Jewish population, I'd, I'd put skepticism on the fact that Reform Judaism can even truly convert someone to Judaism, as I'd say it's a totally non-halachic, uh, non, a, a religious movement that does not follow Jewish law, and a totally non-Jewish cultural movement. Although I will say there's substantial Jewish influence, just like Islam or Christianity. But at the end of the day, it, it does not believe the Torah is a document that is true. It does not believe that, that the mitzvot are something that should be observed in their entirety. It does not believe in so many of these things that I think are important. And, and, and although I will say that many reform uh, synagogues do advocate for returning to tradition in some sense, it's also important to mention that only around 6% keep kosher. 
and a very, very minuscule amount keep Shabbat. And although I will not criticize anyone for their personal uh, adherence to Judaism, that's not my responsibility and it's not my place as well, I can criticize a movement that is increasingly increasingly is failing as at its mission to preserve the Jewish people and to promote our culture, and it is also failing at um, pr like providing an actual Jewish movement. Okay, so okay, so unpacking what you said. So the points you addressed were, first of all, the movement per se, as opposed to all non-Orthodox. And another point you raised was the, the bleeding of people. And another point you raised was the departure from tradition. So I'm going to address each one of those points. As far as the, the reform movement per se, as opposed to all non-Orthodox. Now, re the reform movement is, it depends on what you mean by reform. The reform movement could be referring to all the movements like conservative Judaism, reconstructionist Judaism, reform Judaism, progressive Judaism, and similar, because all of them are in a sense part of the same larger family of movements, and they do have a fair amount of mixing and integration between them, which in a sense is a very good thing because it does increase the larger unity of the Jewish people. Not really having so many of these kinds of divisions within the group of movements is very good. And the, there is a large organization called the World Union for Progressive Judaism that has not only the movement called Reform, which is the largest of those movements, but also other movements with very similar philosophies, mostly found in other countries besides the US, called Liberal and similar. Sometimes Masorti, which is more traditional, but still a bit in the direction of the reform relative to Orthodox, is lumped in with that group as well, depending on what you're going by. But the point being is, this discussion is still going to be going on. And the fact that this discussion is still going to be going on about the relationship of Judaism to the larger secular culture that it is encountering and is dependent on, that discussion is a very healthy and vital discussion. And the fact that we are developing many different answers to those questions is a sign of health. It means that, it means that there are some blends that are likely to be selected for, especially with the relative lack of hostility and relatively high integration among the different movements that represent slightly different flavors. And so the reform movement itself, i.e. the U.S. movement or the primarily U.S. movement called reform, no one says that it will go away. It might lose some people to similar movements and to other things, but it is also attracting people in. So will even the US movement, the US-based movement called reform survive, survive? The question is survive. And so what we are saying is yes, and the dialogue raised by this movement will very much continue. 
So point number two, um, tradition and also the bleeding of people. The bleeding of people, it can be a side effect of a, of a hitch that we hit. There are a lot of instances where this has happened over the course of Jewish history, and they are potentially reversible. These are the sort of trends that are not very stable, especially if you have people working on them, trying different models, and really analyzing and looking at what's working. There are subsectors of these movements that are very stable, that are doing very well. And if you can build on those successes, then the movement comes back. And also about the traditionalism. Reform Judaism, as well as the related similar movements, are the only movements that actually explain departures from the literalism of Judaism in ways that are beyond just dismissing somebody as a sinner. Some of the most valuable people to Judaism in modern Jewish history were actually not following the letter of Judaism. Now, reform is the only major movement of Judaism that will not write these people off as just sinners looking at their individual practices without looking at the big picture of all the other things that they had done. And so this is what I stand for, looking at more than just the literalism and looking at the much larger picture of the people. Okay, I understand what you're saying, and I'm not playing the niche of Reform Judaism of these people that don't want to necessarily be connected to Jewish culture. They want to be connected. They want to present some elements of Jewish culture. Wait, uh, well, Elijah, yeah. what, hold on. I'm getting a weird feedback. Try again. All right. Um, I, I do understand that the niche, the niche of um, of Reform Jewish culture and, and Reform Judaism will always be there. There will always be these people that don't necessarily align with these other movements and need these sort of liberal movements. I am not claiming otherwise, and neither am I claiming that there will be a total disappearance of Reform Judaism. That is not my claim. My claim is there will be a massive decrease. And and although I will say that like. They are attracting people from other movements, but these movements, for the most part, are dying out as well, except for orthodoxy. And also, I, also, how long can you sustain like taking people from other movements when, if you want to look at the average birth, if, if, if with Reform Judaism, out of 100 Jews in four generations, there will only be four ethnic Jews that did not intermarry within these, within these populations. And that's, that's even also in terms of self-identification. That's not sustainable. You'll just keep on bringing in more people than the intermarry. Then I also have this question to you. What is more important to you, your form of Judaism or Judaism? Because at, the, at this moment in time, these things are mutually exclusive because these, um, maybe not for you as a personal being, but on a societal level, these clearly these values are mutually exclusive because you find the people that align less with these values typically have movements that are more than thriving. So what you say, first of all, about the massive decrease, this is something, to be honest with you, that I am concerned about, and it is something that is mentioned by Pew. How long can movements like reform be sustained 
by pulling in Jews from other groups. As you said, these movements represent a very distinctive niche within Judaism. And so the sustaining of these movements becomes quite important because they are a distinctive niche that plays an important role. And so Pew, however, does propose that all of these predictions, the predictions are based on current trends. Current trends, given the level of flux in all of our Jewish community, all of our major Jewish communities, these communities are changing very rapidly and the conditions that they're in are changing very rapidly. And so, as far as Pew is concerned, expect the unexpected. People who are in the reform-type Jewish movements who would like to bolster the movements, for example, and this is what I support, pulling in people from outside, pulling in people from the edge. If we would like to really increase Judaism, there are, for example, even if you go by halakha, even if you go by Jewish tradition, there are millions and millions of people worldwide who are descendants of Jews who have lost their Jewish tradition. For example, people who were forcibly converted to Juda- forcibly converted from Judaism to Catholicism during the Spanish and Portuguese Inquisitions, the number of their descendants is enormous. Now, this is an opportunity finally for the Jewish people to be able to reach them and to communicate about Judaism and to see if they are interested. Now, Judaism, and this is a very much a reform doctrine, Judaism must be something that is accepted in the heart. Reform doesn't usually um, frame it this way, but that is basically what the reformer would believe. So in other words, these people um, would need to come voluntarily, but they are uh, but and need, Jews need to be there. I'm so sorry, your audio is glitching out. Can you repeat this? Can you repeat what are you saying? Um, what I'm saying is there are a lot of things that Reform Judaism can do to grow its numbers that it is only starting to do. Now, this is the sort of thing that it definitely can and should do in conjunction with other movements. The people who choose to return, they may choose Reform but they may also choose some other type of Judaism. But reform being out there, going to the places that other Jews may not be willing or able to go, this can help as far as the larger Jewish peoplehood is concerned. I suppose, yes. But do you realize that with, okay, with specifically reform, just them doing it will not be helpful at all. Because I, I mean, I suppose they'll have slightly higher birth rates and slightly higher, like slightly lower levels of assimilation because converts typically do. However, in regards to this, it's just a, it's just such a liberal religion that's willing to accept so much. I don't. It has such a low like method of maintenance in terms of like the the average time you spend on this religion that I can't imagine it even being sustainable for them. They'll just eventually, because the eternal issue with reform 
is that it's just not culturally dissimilar enough from outside movements, from outside contemporary society to internal to, to survive. The only times which are didn't were either times when uh, Yiddish culture or like Jewish culture or stuff like that were predominant in these communities. And it just, there was just cultural dissimilarity between these people and as well as anti-Semitism and external factors acting on this. Why would these people have any lower birth rates? Wouldn't they leave at some points too? Also, I disagree that, I, I disagree that reform Judaism would actually give them any practically higher level of observance I mean, then they would typically be even doing in Catholicism. I mean, Catholicism believes in most of the 13 academic of like faith that the average Jew does. I mean, Reform Judaism, or at least the atheistic Judaism you propose, would actually lead to probably a decrease than even if they were a Catholic. Okay, so reform. Okay, so unpacking what you just said, um, Reform Judaism. Okay, so first of all, as far as the Catholicism is concerned, one of the differences between Reform Judaism and Catholicism is that Reform Judaism does not have the Trinity. Reform, Juda Reform Judaism, this is the Reform movement, is a does not ascribe multiple parts to God, which is one of... As far as Jewish theology is concerned, Christianity has its own line of reasoning about it. But as far as Jewish theology is concerned, Trinitarianism, because of the splitting up of God, is one of the splitting up of God into something that includes a person, is one of the most problematic parts of Christianity from a Jewish perspective. There is no such thing in reform. In fact, reform advocates directly for all of the Jewish traditions as as its own, even if it does not, even if it accepts people who may not practice some of them. It's not as if it accepts these people. It's predominantly made up of these people. Only around seventy percent, only around seven percent of Reformed Jews keep basic Jewish holidays. And also, I disagree that that Reform Judaism is primarily this theistic movement. Um, the Rambam said that um, it's better for someone to be a pagan than it is to be an atheist. And I mean, in terms of Reform Judaism's acceptability of atheism, I think it's quite, it's quite different. Also, I'll say that at the end of the day, even if they accept tenets of Reform Jewish theology, I think the issue would be is that they would is that it truly wouldn't be a cultural assimilation that it would be if, let's say, Orthodox, an Orthodox group did it, because there really isn't any sort of real cultural assimilation that happens in a Reform conversion that's quite so easy. I mean, for a Reform conversion, all you have to do is take, follow for a year just Jewish holidays in an Orthodox synagogue, I mean, a Reform synagogue, uh, usually while breaking halacha while doing so. I mean, it's just not... It's just not assimilation in the same sense that orthodoxy would do it, which would be like, um, like, uh, like very rigid classes, very rigid things like this. It's just, it's more, it's more comparable with Reform Judaism of joining a club than it is, let's say, to joining a citizenship, which I think Orthodox Judaism focuses more on. Also, I, I do not think you fully address the fact that Reform Judaism does has this have this internal demographic issue. Uh, do you really want to be part of a religion that keeps on having to have almost like a almost like a Ponzi scheme, like keep on attracting more people just 
because then the internal group of it keeps on narrowing outwards. Is is this like, is this a movement that truly do you think works in the best interest of the Jewish people? Because I think it dilutes the actual definition of what it means to be a Jew. Because no longer is it its culture, this history, this ethnicity, for lack of better words, although I don't think it's quite the best term for it, that it is like interconnected. With Reform Judaism, it not only it not only disagrees with the fundamental principles of Judaism. I've, I've said this, but I disagree that it's a primarily culturally Jewish movement. The majority of them, the vast majority of, of Reformed Jews cannot speak any other language other than other than English. The vast majority of Reformed Jews cannot speak um, Hebrew, cannot speak, um, cannot speak, cannot read the Torah and understand it. I mean, these sort of cultural differences that Judaism has to the outside world, I have not seen any of them inside Reformed Judaism. From what I understand, Reformed Jews are, for the most part, at least demographically and culturally, I mean, they participated in many many of the same demographic trends that affluent people in the United States experience, for example, uh, like flight from flight from areas after low-income people started moving in, uh, very low, like pretty low birth rates, uh, lots of other things like participations in certain sectors of the economy. I mean, it just doesn't. There doesn't seem to be any substantial cultural difference between Reformed Jews and these people. And also, at the same time, I just don't understand what is the definition of Reformed Judaism. Is it a religion? But I thought Reformed Judaism is, is, is does not believe the Torah to be immutable and true. Uh, is it a ethnicity? Well, what's up with the converts? Is it a culture? Well, I don't see. I don't see any sort of shared culture with between them. Uh, is it a shared set of values? Well, I don't see the values that Reform Judaism preaches as Jewish. Uh, explain to me what is Jewish about egalitarianism. Not that I have an inherent issue with egalitarianism, but in order for something to be Jewish or, uh, or I don't know, Germanic or Canadian, it has to be the experience of the vast majority of the people within the label. And for the most part, egalitarianism, liberalism, all these things, historically were not viewed at all as part of a consistent Jewish tradition. And these seem to be the things that Reform Judaism places, places the pinnacle of their Judaism. Okay, so I'm going to unpack what you just said. And so it's a lot of stuff. So I'm going to if I'm going to put it into one nutshell, I'm going to talk about the so-called liberalism of the reform movement. What is liberalism? Liberalism can mean a lot of different things. Liberalism, it depends on who you ask and it depends on what it's relative to. But one classic characteristic of liberalism versus conservatism is that liberalism will often have a tendency to be present-minded, it is looking outward, it is looking at the present situation, and it is responding directly to what they see around them. Conservatism, on the other hand, tends to be much more historically minded in the sense that conservative movements will tend to draw from the past, not even necessarily the past, at least their own idea of the past, trying to preserve it, and that is what they draw from. They tend to be more pulling back often from what they see around them, in many cases because they don't know what to make of it. Now, Judaism, many parts of Judaism have a very strong trend toward conservatism. In that sense, Reform Judaism is really a pushback against that. 
Reform Judaism, these are people who are very engaged, very much watching, and very aware of what they see around them. These are Jews with a foothold in other places, other communities, other cultures, while still maintaining their ties to the Jewish if they are actually practicing Reform Judaism. Now, Jews who may affiliate with all kinds of synagogues, including Orthodox, may be non-practicing. But if they are practicing Reform, they're going to be affiliated. And so having the balance between looking at what's around you and is very key for the Jewish people. And so I see Judaism headed towards a demographic that if that trend continues, is very inward focused. Now they may re-evolve a more outward focused wing, but why not use the one that we already have? Why not use the one that's already developed to look at what's going on, see, and respond. And so that is what I mean by liberalism. That, well, that would be real, real quick, Elijah, I, I do want to take a quick intermission uh, just to, to say if anyone's new here, um, please subscribe. I actually just got word that we have some uh, Twitch streamers. This is being crossed, crossed uh, stream to Twitch today, and it seems like some people are watching. So whoever's on, on Twitch, welcome. Uh, I guess we'll start doing this on Twitch as well. So let the world know we're now on Twitch. Uh, we're going to do an after party in Discord in around 30 minutes. I'm going to post the link. Um, th this is a very interesting conversation for me. You know, I, I as somebody who am an agnostic Jew, right? Judaism is more my ethnicity, um, tradition, history. Um, I, don't, I don't really have a, a horse in this race, right? So it's very interesting for me to listen. Um, now, th that being said, me not being religious in any way, I do understand that religion is very important to people. It gives them meaning, gives them direction. Um, I would not be here for without the Jewish religion, ultimately. So I, I definitely understand the importance to religion. It seems like th th there's like two... We're, we're talking about will reform Judaism sur survive, but what, what I'm getting is it seems like there's there's two separate approaches to not only... It's not only will Reform Judaism survive. Rebecca seems to think that Reform Judaism is what will make Judaism itself survive by essentially lowering the barrier to entry, making people. This is what will cause Judaism to survive. Elijah, on the other hand, you're saying because it's watering it, it down um, and it's so different from what Judaism, traditional Ju Judaism is, and because there's a high rate of intermarriage, it, it itself is harming um, Judaism. It seems like it's not quite clear how it's going to play out, but I, I think it's it's very interesting to see that that both of you view your forms of Judaism as what will help Judaism itself uh, sustain itself long term. So I, I just want to put that observation out there. I'm going to let this back and forth continue because it's very interesting. Um, so Elijah, all you. So my premise as well, seeing. The demographic trend of seeing the demographic trend, every single action has its reaction. And so 
about a century ago, the odds looked yeah, like. Uh, Re yeah, Rebecca, sorry. It, it was Elijah's turn okay. to speak. Sorry, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's two points you made in the in what you said before that I wanted to respond to. To the number one, I want to start off with demographics change. Of course, demographics change. That is how demographics work. But I see no no probability or no like reason to assume that reform intermarriage demographics will ever change because there's nothing there's nothing that has eternal control over the reform movement in the United States. There's no central figures to it. There's no um, there's no unified reform caucus. There's no like unified community. There's no groups. Uh, it's, it's, the reform Jews are centered around all throughout the United States. They have vastly different practices and belief, beliefs, but they're mostly united in their opposition to traditional Judaism. But I mean, like, I don't think you can really say that, like, Reform Judaism has will have this, like, thought leader that will change everything. Because for the most part, Reform Jews aren't associated on a very large basis with their practice and their uh, Judaism, for the most part. At least if you want to look at it in terms of average practice, because, I mean, only 7% keep kosher, only 7% keep Shabbat. Like, stuff like this can obviously demonstrate that there's not many people very um, involved within the religion within Reform Judaism. Uh, another point I want to make is that uh, you didn't answer my question, which is, what is Jewish about egalitarianism? Because ultimately, the entire the entire substance of your movement, as at least I can see philosophically, is based off the premise that, ah, yes, all these things are historically Jewish practice, uh, egalitarianism, female rights, stuff like this, which I don't have an issue with. But, is it, but framing this as the central tenet of Judaism, is historically inaccurate. No. Um, what is Jewish about egalitarianism is that it gives more voices within the Jewish community a chance to be heard. If only men are allowed to be scholars of the tradition, then we cut off half of the possibilities. This isn't about men, this isn't about women. This is mostly regarding people outside the Jewish community. For example, uh, Reform Judaism's commitment to tikkun olam and like the concept of the concept of activism being a very big part of Jewish tradition when it's completely irrelevant to it. Uh, lots of stuff like this. I mean, there was a poll done on Reform Jews uh, talking about what their like what their um, like what their commitment to Judaism was. Like, what what does what being Jewish mean to them? I mean, uh, I think like something like 35% said it means like having a good sense of humor. A very good portion says activism, and then another good portion says remembering the Holocaust. Obviously, the latter is a very important one, but the concept that activism has any historical precedent within the Jewish community is inaccurate. I mean, also, I I'm not disagreeing with having women within the movement. That's not what I care about. That's not anything. There's no, like, I, that has, for lack of a better term, no shaykhs to what I care about, right? It's, it, my point more is just the framing of Jewish tradition egalitarian terms that historically have never existed. Because, number one, I just don't see, like, I, I don't even see the reform, the core reform Jewish population, the one that is already reformed Jewish, uh, being commit, committed to Judaism. Why would you want to attract more people into a religion that's, for the most part, not really working? So, okay, so answering the question, okay, so answering the question about activism, tikkun olam, um, so the polling of the general Jewish public, based on those themes, it seems that the themes are Judaism is a culture, Judaism is a way of expressing yourself, 
as manifested by the underlying values and culture. That is basically what the general theme is from the poll that you cited. This is, is actually consistent with a very major part of Judaism. The religion is a basically the ritual component as reflected from the philosophy. But there may be other components based on the philosophy of Judaism that are less ritual, less ritualized in the structured synagogue sense, and more, more reflective in what seems superficially to be um, what seems superficially to be um, secular, but they're actually reflective of the underlying Jewish philosophy that guides a person in many aspects of their life, and not only in the religious sense. Tikkun olam, I don't quite use it that way as an individual. I feel like it has become a slogan that it has become a slogan that is more self-validating than in terms than the actual practices that it might reveal. What are the benchmarks, for example, of tikkun olam? If you're out there to help other people, by what measure do you help them? And in terms of something like egalitarianism, egalitarianism is one of the more modern introgression, more modern parts of Reform Judaism as such. However, it does give very useful information that, for example, it tends to be how a common way for people to decide whether or not to choose a particular synagogue or other Jewish community. If the synagogue is egalitarian, it may attract one group. If the synagogue is not egalitarian, it may attract another group. And so the reason, one of the reasons for the emphasis of egalitarianism is that it is a shorthand way to communicate a lot of useful information about, about the synagogues and the community's underlying values. Sure, but can you explain to me, you, you've stated previously that you think that one thing that's important to being Jewish um, is the values that Judaism holds. Uh, you, you've said previously that the religious theology isn't very important, but the actual values of Judaism are, um, are very important. Can you explain to me what, va what values that Reform Judaism has that the rest of the Jewish community and historically has, hold, has held and does hold? has held and does hold. First of all, attachment to the culture of dissent as derived from the written and oral traditions. That is a very core value of Judaism that is unique to Judaism that reform shares. That is a big example. Reform going to Hevruta, for example, this happens. Reform has their own Hevruta and they're going to be talking about the text in a way that is fundamentally not all that different from how Orthodox would be talking about the text in the sense that Reform and Orthodox may even be study partners. Now, you would not say that about a Catholic. The, the dialogue, our dialogue, our debate, our culture of varying opinions and what the varying opinions are, but what at the same time their fundamental root premises are, 
this is the core of our tradition. This is the core of what our beliefs are founded on. And that is... This isn't a fundamental value of Judaism. Not at all. I mean, there's been cases of it brought up, but it's not like a fundamental value that all Jewish groups hold. I mean, my community, for example, doesn't have this community, this tradition of descent. Uh, I mean, like, if you want to look back uh, historically, I doubt you can find that brought up in the shadow. I doubt you can bring that into Hasidic movements or more traditionally observant communities. I mean, this this value of descent only seems to be within your own communities. This, this value does not exist elsewhere. And I, I, I've said this, find me a value that Reform Judaism holds, uh, uh, that not a religious theology, because we obviously disagree on the validity of the religious theology and everything like that, but a value, because you've stated that values are important. Find me a value that's shared by all Jewish movements. Uh, Elijah. Yeah. Elijah, can we maybe, you being an, an observant Jew, can we maybe hear from you what Jewish values are and then work from there, see if we could match those up and, and see if they do hold true in uh, Reform Judaism? And I would actually want, want to see if they line up with humanist values as well. Kind of uh, kind of look at this across the board. I mean, like, I suppose, like, community, like, just the the small community around you and being associated with it and just being a very, like, a very big member of your own, like, sort of homogeneous community, I suppose. Uh, I, I suppose just liking people who, liking people who just, like, are, are, are like you, I guess. I mean, just having this bond with other Jews, having this bond with Jews that are like you. Um, one other thing would probably be... Uh, it would honestly probably be just like this tradition of conservatism, I guess, like like hardline conservatism, I guess, because I think that's a fundamentally Jewish value as a tradition that's ancient. Uh, hmm, what else? Uh, I think things like things like that are what makes a community Jewish. Just like its commitment to the ethnic parts of Judaism, its commitment to the religious parts of Judaism, its like reverendness of like. Torah scholars, it's reverendness of like the Torah, it's reverendness to things like this. I mean, in Israel, the definition of what it means to be Jewish, at least non-religiously, ethnically, is being expanded in a way which I really much, very much like. Um, and I, I'd also say that that's a very important, almost slightly different understanding of Judaism, how it is in Israel. But sort of, uh, like that's at least the values that I, I hold to religious Judaism, to to secular and to secular and Orthodox Judaism, which I'll say actually like have a bit more in common than Reform Judaism. I'd say it's just like ethnic community, uh, like just like being feeling at home with people that are like you. And real real quick, just one more one more question. So, Elijah, would you also think say that belief in the theology though is equally, if not more, important? Uh, than the, than the values, right? Yeah. Or they're inseparable. I okay. think they're kind of inseparable, but I'll say that ultimately, if I had to pick one, it'd obviously be the Torah. But I mean, I think I have a definition of Judaism. It doesn't necessarily fully align with the Orthodox movement. I mean, I don't like. I'm not someone that blindly accepts every single thing thrown at me. I, I do think that the ethnic parts of Judaism and Zionism are right now probably the most important thing to Jewish identity today. Okay, so I would say, okay, so I would say, as far as what Elijah said, I actually mostly agree with what he has said. 
for me, the emphasis is on a mutually supportive community committed to preserving the traditions while providing it while providing it and the traditions opportunities. This is also why I found it so important as a person to go and look for a synagogue where I could act in the way that I felt was the best and was the best suited for me as a, me as an individual for the larger group. Now, one one thing that I believe is a slight difference, not such a fundamental difference, is that I like to think about what are the different players within the group. I not necessarily that they are all the same, but that they will do different things towards the same purpose. This is also part of why my formulation of reform is that reform does a different thing towards the same purpose that needs a little more love. I so doubt I doubt that Reform Judaism has the same goal as Orthodox Judaism. As I've stated numerous times, clearly there isn't a commitment to the religion, as only 7% of Reform Jews keep kosher and Shabbat. I mean, I'm okay with secular Judaism. I've said this before, and I'll say this again. Secular Jews have my full respect. They can follow whatever they'd like. But if someone wants to take Judaism and kind of mess with the theology, make it non-historically accurate, make it non-intellectually honest, that's where I have an issue. Because what you're calling Judaism is neither Jewish in nature, and it's neither Jewish in nature, nor either, nor either Jewish in flavor. Yeah. Okay. I want to say that Reform Judaism was explicitly, let's look at the history of Reform Judaism. Reform Judaism was initially at least a German nationalist movement, talking about, talk, saying how Germany was the new Zion, saying, uh, uh, Zion, whatever, saying it's the new Zion. It's saying that Jews need to be Germans, all, all these things. Obviously, this isn't BS, you can read the Wikipedia article, but that's the historical origin of, Ju of Reform Judaism. It, it's always been a part of this this trend of wanting to be this peace and larger society. And I disagree that you can truly, you can either redefine your Judaism as in it fits with the peace of Western society that we're living in now, or we can have Judaism as it was practiced since our ancestors. Yeah. I, I, although I do, do do not believe there is a 100% line of continuity. That's an historically indefensible claim. I will say that there's definitely, if you took a Jew, a uh, hundred uh, no, how's this? Uh, 600, 700 years ago, and you put him in an Orthodox synagogue, he would understand what was going on. If you took a Jew and you put him in a Reformed synagogue, he would, before the panic attack, he would probably pass out. But okay, I'm joking. But all jokes aside, he just wouldn't be able to understand what was going on. What you're calling Judaism and what you're calling Jewish values are not values that are held by the vast majority of the Jewish community. Yeah. Okay. So one of the reasons... Wait, can I also... I'm not finished my point, I'm sorry. Uh, if you want to say that... If you want to make your own religion, call it, uh, I don't know, something else that wasn't Judaism, and you made your own progressive theology with this. I've said this before, but I would not have an issue with it. But if you want to call something Judaism, misrepresent it, uh, give it a whole new flavor of theology, like pretty much blatantly stolen from like enlightenment philosophy, then I don't think you can... And, and full intellectual honesty call that Judaism. Because what you're calling now, what you're trying to do now, at least in my understanding, is try to redefine Judaism in terms of other evangelical, for the most part, religion, other evangelical religions, like Islam or Christianity, when really it's nothing like that. It's not, 
it's more parallel to the Druze or uh, uh, like other surrounding groups because we aren't really, if you want to look at the historical continuity of Judaism, there's been very few, very, very, very few cases of mass conversions, most notably with the Maccabees. But if you want to go more recent times, there was this one Italian city that converted, which was, which was the, only a couple hundred people. But for the most part, there's been no wide scale um wide-scale conversion like what you're suggesting it goes completely outside the continuity of judaism and besides the fact it would completely just it would completely throw away the unity of the jewish people i don't believe that orthodoxy will ever accept this uh, orthodoxy will probably um ha have very major reactions to this and i doubt and i suppose with the increasing power of the Roman uh reform judaism will have significant issues in israel even more than they have now um, uh, I don't. I don't believe that if you accepted these this massive converts, that Orthodoxy will ever accept this. I I don't believe it'll continue continuously labeled as a Jewish movement. I don't think it should be. I don't believe it comes from historically Jewish sources. I do believe there's Jewish influence. That's not something I'm I'm willing. To, I'm not willing to say. But if you wanted to look at how, traditionally how the text was interpreted, this was traditionally how it's interpreted. This is how uh, everyone for the past since obviously the Talmud and like the, the and like the like all the commentaries on the Torah, how it was traditionally interpreted, and this is an entirely new and entirely almost sec like either secular or proto secular way of interpreting it. It's just not in historic continuity, and the reason I think historical continuity is important is not because I am some. I mean, I suppose I'm some traditionalist in some sense, and I mean, I obviously am, but it's more that. I don't believe, I don't like when the definitions of words are obscured. There's the definition of Jewish. There's the definition of Judaism and how it's traditionally practiced. And then there's these movements that are loosely based off Judaism. There's there's not, obviously there's no platonic form of Judaism somewhere out there in the sky. However, there are a lot of consistent themes of Judaism. Reform consistently violates all of them. Yeah. Okay, so I am going to say that first of all, what you said about things like mass conversions it is actually not accurate, especially before, especially in Roman times and late antiquity circa and a little after the fall of Rome, there were a large number of mass conversions. I will give you an example of the people who were mass converted. Tri whole tribes of Berbers were mass converted to Judaism. Many of Berbers are still Jews. Those are Moroccan Jews. Yem in Yemen, there were Jewish kingdoms, and this was after the fall of ancient Israel. In Khazaria, there was also a Jewish kingdom. Maybe there were not as many large-scale conversions to Judaism as there were to, say, Christianity or Islam, but these existed. They were also incredibly common in the Roman Empire. In the Roman Empire, Judaism was very, very proactive, and in fact, it was able to get 10% of the entire empire to be Jewish. Now, now, Judaism has is in an extremely different set of conditions right now than it was for many centuries past. For many centuries, Judaism existed primarily in Europe and MENA as small enclaves of a minority surrounded by a sea of non-Jewish people who basically had sovereignty and who did a varying, very varying job of actually protecting their Jews. Often it got so bad for the Jews 
that they had to move. Now, nowadays, the vast majority of Jews are in an incredibly different set of conditions. First of all, nearly all of today's Jews are descended from people who were displaced from one country or another for one reason or another within the last 150 years. Very, very, very few Jews are living where their ancestors lived for centuries. That represents a break. And Judaism also, in a place like the United States, it has a very different type of surrounding culture that is more open to people who are Jews, who are to people who are going to be openly practicing Judaism than a lot of other cultures like it in the past. Now in Israel, it's also a very different set of conditions because there is national sovereignty. Now, historically for the past um, many centuries, Judaism could Judaism was kind of in self-protection mode as far as the people who were concerned. They could afford to reject and turn away people. But today, because of our very different set of conditions, in America, the vast majority of American Jews, Orthodox, were able to keep themselves as a minority but of American Jews, but the vast majority of American Jews, Judaism is competing in the marketplace of ideas. In Israel as well, there, because of the national sovereignty, the people in the country are sort of sticking around there. There's not so much of a way out to completely assimilate into something that is entirely non-Jewish. And at the same time, there's a very large population controlled by Israel of people who are being fundamentally rejected. While Judaism is crying about demographics, Judy, um, we are not doing everything it takes to bolster our own demographics, such as reaching out to the people that we need to be reaching out to, not all of whom, not all of whom are familiar with Judaism. And so this represents a major break in the conditions that the Jewish people face, possibly comparable to the break in the conditions after, say, the fall of Rome and the rise of Christianity or comparable to the fall of Judea and the loss of the temple because we regained our state. It is a radical transformation. And in a period of rapid change, you will want a group of people who are present-minded and will think about our history, but will also be looking at the present to see what's new, what opportunities do we have, what challenges do we have, and it is a very, very, very different picture of opportunities and challenges that we have not had for a very long time and that must not be closed off and ignored. Okay, uh, so uh, Elijah, real quick, um, yeah. Elijah, you're going to have an opportunity to respond. Then we're going to go to uh, quick final statements and then we're going to head to the after party. I guess we could also take one or two questions. So chat, if you want to ask Elijah, Rebecca questions, now's the time to ask um, Elijah, all you. 
Oh, okay, so first I want to start off is you've, you've mentioned before that Reform Judaism isn't having this demographic crisis. Uh, and then and then now you claim that refor- that Judaism is having a demographic crisis, which is quite an interesting way of phrasing this. Because, I, I mean, like, if it, there doesn't seem to be any form of Judaism other than the liberal movements in, in diaspora that are having this demographic crisis besides Reform Judaism. And I just want you to think about specifically the trends that are causing this. And for the most part, as I've mentioned before, it's assimilation within broader society. And obviously, like living in broader society and being a member of it is, isn't a negative thing. And I do have a lot of criticism when it comes to Haredis in regards to rejecting things like math, science, and philosophy and literature that come, that make you understand the basic world that you're living in. I do not believe that education be, should be solely stricter to the Torah. I do not believe anything of the sort. In fact, I believe the contrary. However, I do think that there is a specific way of framing Judaism that is that no longer even works with the religious elements. And if it does, it's on a very superficial basis. And I think that Reform Judaism isn't strict enough, isn't culturally enough a coherent group, and isn't and isn't really Jewish enough to be able to face these crises. I mean, like, if you just want to look at this, look at it in terms of demographics. Um, 48% of Reform Jews intermarry. How is this crisis going to be solved? Whether it's whether it's expanding the definition of a Jew for, for outside the norm from what it usually historically has been, or it's accepting these people is another thing. And I, I do agree that at some level, patrilineal Jews need to be uh, need to be encouraged to come back to Judaism. And I think the best way to do that is through an actual assimilation, not through a very superficial conversion, which is in practicality just sitting down for a couple meals. That's not what it means to be Jewish. To be Jewish is a very hard definition to come by, but I think we can all collectively agree that sitting down for a couple meals and learning about Judaism for a while doesn't make a person Jewish. Now, another point I want to bring up is you mentioned the Roman conversions as well as the Berber conversions. And I disagree with the fundamental premise that these are the same types of conversions Reform Judaism is doing. Reform Judaism does not have the cultural continuity that other forms of Judaism do, in the sense that there is no reform, there, there is no dialect of reform Jewish Hebrew uh, of language. There's no Judeo-Arabic. There's no Yiddish. There's nothing like this. There, the basis for this group is English. The basis for this group is the surrounding dominant culture. And I think even the way you're framing Judaism now is in the sense of how other other dominant culture religions work. Whether the, and for the most part, I think that's based off Christianity. Um, another point I want to bring up is that I, I don't understand how I don't understand why Reform Judaism should be should be reformed. What, what I mean, no, I don't understand why why Judaism needs to be reformed because clearly, if you want to look at the successive movements that are following Judaism, they are clearly having better results in terms of cultural continuity, in terms of language, in terms of culture, in terms of like rates of intermarriage and everything like that. And I think that the fact that Reform Judaism even attracts into other movements, like such as orthodoxy or conservatism, and brings them to worse or, to lesser situations in terms of birth rates, in terms of dem- in terms of birth rates, in terms of average amount of kids, in terms of intermarriage and all these things, the fact that it's attracting these people that for the most part they are doing very well. 
I mean, except really conservatism, they have quite an issue in regards to their birth rates and their demographics. However, they're, for the most part, they're at the very least only around 30% of them intermarry, which is high. And, I, I, and I'll say this, I don't, I don't judge anyone that intermarries. I don't have this issue. I don't, I'm not a racist. I'm not a, I'm not a xenophobe. I'm not anything like that. But if you want to have a Jewish movement that's working to preserve Judaism, why, why would you promote the least successful out of all movements? In terms of in terms of Jewish continuity, in terms of uh, in terms of success, in terms of uh, promoting Jewish culture and Jewish people in general, or in terms of many other things, like in terms of praying in Hebrew, even and praying in or, or the traditional prayers, almost everything Reform Judaism does is in break of traditions, and often historically it was purposefully. Now it's slightly different. Out of like, I mean, for lack of better example. Uh, I mean, like a, the seder. There's like there's the son that is wicked. I'll say that's the the initial initial form of reform Judaism, like rejecting Judaism, saying I am not part of this group. I am German. And then there is the new Judaism, the new reform Judaism that just not does not know what is Judaism anymore. I mean, they don't pray in Hebrew. They don't follow Jewish tradition. And I think that today there just isn't a cohesive enough reform Jewish group to call it a cultural group with Jewish Jewish cultural origins. And the one thing that reform Judaism has today, for the most part, is Jewish ethnic origins. They can say the majority of uh, reform Jews, although not, although not religiously or to some degree culturally Jewish, are at the end of the day ethnic Jews. And and, and this is and this means it's predominantly a Jewish movement. But once this goes away, what is what is Jewish about Reform Jewish? And I understand, as I've mentioned before, that the definition of Jewish is quite obscure. It's not something that can be clearly defined and clearly answered. But at the end of the day, can we all agree that if that there's at the very least, one cannot claim that I don't know. Um, one cannot claim that Rabbi Ovadi Yosef was somehow less Jewish, but it was somehow the equal amount of Jewish as some French guy that decides to one day keep Shabbat for a weekend. And like there's obviously, there's obviously just what it means to be Jewish somewhere that we can all agree on some basic fundamental premises of it. And I think Reform Jew Judaism exists in contradiction. Usually, historically, it was purposefully but now it's out of ignorance of following these traditions. And I've said this before, but I, I like the new trend in, trend in Reform Judaism of trying to reform and become traditional. And I hope you guys continue with that. I, at the end of the day, I, we're all Jews, and I want every, every Jew to be Jewish, and I want every Jew to live his life however he or, he, he or she wants to live his, life, or her, his or her life. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're going to have a Jewish movement, why not follow the more successful ones? Because at this moment in time, maybe whether or not this is going to be the case in 20 years and 30 years, even though I do think based off trends, it will be the case. Why would you want to pick a, move, uh, a movement that at this moment in time looks like it's going to looks like it's going to just looks like it's going to not perform very successfully for the Jewish people? I don't, as I've said this before, I, I don't promote i don't believe every person has to be orthodox i don't believe it's necessary for every person i don't believe this standard of belief is 
a practice at least, is always the best thing for every person individually. Although I do think on a spiritual level, it would probably be best. I do think that the very least one can do, if they want to commit as little as much time to Judaism, is at the very least to be conservative. You don't have to do too much. It's not too difficult. But at the end of the day, your grandchildren will most likely be Jewish. You'll you'll have this cohesive group, and I think that's I think that's important. And I I don't judge Reform Jews. I understand that with with the Holocaust, with many of the trauma Reform Jews faced, like as Ashkenazis, uh, historically, it just leads to like sort of a, a sort of a dislike of Judaism, what it was like practiced there. And I understand that, and I empathize, I guess, but. I think that if they want to preserve Judaism, which I believe is a noble goal, and I think many Reformed Jews do, they should at least go for a more sustainable model. Okay, so I'm... Rebecca, real quick, because we're going to go to final statements. You'll have, you could take that time to also respond to Elijah, but that will be your final go. And then Elijah will have a final statement. But we do have one question for Elijah that I want to ask him before we we go to final statements. This is from Pyman. Paiman asks, "Is in this is for you, Elijah? In modern Orthodoxy, how can one reconcile believing in the Torah, that believing the Torah is the little literal word of God, while valuing things like math, science, etc.? Doesn't Reform Judaism solve this problem?" Okay, so it's a bit complicated. I mean, literalism in its direct sense is literal is different from literalism in its like like commentary sense and like how it's been historically understood uh, based off like historical knowledge on this and like historical continuity. Obviously we don't put Tehillim, we don't put like the Jewish prayer things between our eyes, like the Karaites do or or actual literalists do. There's differences in terms of how it's um, and, and how it's interpreted, but there's been historical interpretations we've had for often thousands of years that we know are in continuity, and we can follow these things. And for the most part, at the very least, in my opinion, they're not in direct opposition to Jewish thought. Uh, one thing I want to bring up, too, is that um, I, I don't think that—I think there's a lots of—it's it, a bit complicated with— things like science, but in terms of philosophy, in terms of math, in terms of history, in terms of politics, in terms of lots of these things like this. Modern Orthodox Jews have contributed so much to Jewish society and global society in general. I think they do quite a good job in terms of reconciling that difference. Reform Judaism, I think, like, it just gets rid of the actual Jewish approach to it. I I mean, I I don't think, I, I don't think it's necessarily an issue with Reform Jews. I don't think like they're trying to do anything wrong. I don't believe it's intentional. But I do think that at the end of the day, it, it just there's better ways of practicing Judaism in more sustainable ways. Thank you, Elijah. Uh, final final statements. Uh, let's try to keep it within three minutes. I do want to hop over to the after party. Rebecca, all you. Okay. So I would like to address uh, some of these points. First of all, Orthodoxy has not fully been able to address the question of science. For example, they sidestep around the question of what happened in the fossil record? How come this is different from what is said in the Torah, the first five books of the Bible? And so there's a lot of triangulating going on in Orthodox Jewish educations. Now, if the fossil record is very different from how it's said in the Torah. Perhaps 
the traditions are also a little different from what is actually the most beneficial for the evolution, which really did happen, and the continuing future of the Jewish people. And so reform is the movement that raises those questions most actively and by raises those questions most actively and therefore has the potential to develop a different approach. If we are talking about leaders in the larger family of movements, one very good example of a religious leader and theologian, a single figure that united many different such branches is the founder actually of Reconstructionist Judaism, Mordechai Kaplan. Mordechai Kaplan proposed a very interesting idea that's a lot closer to what many Jews actually believe, that what Judaism really is, is a evolving civilization held together by the ritual traditions, even if reform do not do that all as individuals, they will do many of them. And if they are practicing reform, they will do the ritual that keep Judaism alive. They will follow the Jewish calendar. They will follow the Jewish life cycle. And their rituals will connect them to the larger Jewish peoplehood. Mordechai Kaplan developed not only the Reconstructionist movement, which heavily influenced many of the other Jewish movements, but a lot of other Jewish things that became normative Jewish practices and institutions, such as the synagogue as a center of the Jewish community, the bar or bat mitzvah as we know it today. These are examples of things that were pioneered by Mordechai Kaplan, who is as close as it might get to a single figure unifying these types of branches of Judaism, and he did a pretty good job. As far as demographics are concerned, my view of the demographics is quite is pretty complex. I would say, although there's no immediate threat of extinction, there are several different medium-term threats that get me somewhat worried. For example, um, Jewish population is concentrated in a very few areas of the world in order to be of the significance to create a self-perpetuating population that isn't erased by being in small numbers by the surrounding community, Judaism is kind of vulnerable right now to nuclear attacks, say, because if you drop nukes or if something happens to the few Jewish population centers, this is one of my concerns. And both America and Israel, they're kind of tied together, and we are putting our eggs in kind of a few baskets. Another issue as well about birth rate. Orthodox Jews are a relatively small proportion of the world's population. However, the carrying capacity of the earth is very, very, very limited. Now, this can have tremendous effects on the environment to have so many children. Plus, Orthodox Jews do use resources at a first world rate rather than a third world rate. And this kind of needs to be kept that way, but it would be very nice to be able to have another way of growing Judaism besides the birth rate, given the fallout of the birth rate to the larger 
population and the larger world. We are in the middle of a mass extinction of species. And this is caused by the exploding human population and the rampant use of the Earth's resources. Can Judaism do its part to help address this while still staying culturally intact? I would only hope so, but it is the only issue we face that does occur over a longer time period than even Judaism itself has existed by orders of magnitude. This is an issue that affects the timescale, not on the order of millennia, but on the order of millions of years. So if you value Judaism because you see it as an ancient religion that represents a strong continuity of human cultures, it is also important to value life on earth as something that represents the continuity of many, many, many millions of years. Thank you, uh, Rebecca. I, Rebecca, I have a quick question for you. Do you feel like this conversation um, helped you better understand Elijah's position? And w- would you say we're closer to common ground on this topic? I would say we are a step closer to common ground on this topic. I know many areas that I really, really agree with Elijah. Both of us, for example, we incredibly strongly value the preservation of Judaism. And I almost feel like we are we are sometimes in the argument about the blind men and the elephant. The story of the blind men and the elephant is that there are blind men and they are each feeling different parts of the elephant and they are arguing about the nature of the elephant because they're on different sides of the elephant. And Judaism, really, what it is, is all of the above. And that is what is so important. Otherwise, we don't have a whole elephant. Interesting. I would say uh, blindly touching an elephant can get uh, dangerous, but uh, I-, I like that. Yeah. Elijah? Depends what you're touching. Right, exactly. Uh, it it yeah. just reminded me for some reason of Freddy Got Fingered, whoever's uh, watched that. I, you probably need to be a, a millennial to know that movie, but yeah, there's definitely a scene with an elephant there. Anyways, yeah, anyways uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. I do think in the future, if we do have another conversation, I, I did try to interject at various points, and it was quite difficult to get my points across, like replying to such multiple points like at once, because um, there were many points where I, like, you had a misconception about my beliefs or stuff like that that I just wanted to interject quickly and explain that's not what I was saying, or I wanted to say that's like... Um, like a misrepresentation of my viewpoint, or uh, I just wanted a quick response point by point, but that wasn't really, it wasn't very easy to do because um, it it was just kind of a lot of uh, like space between my ability to speak. I mean, uh, it was a good conversation, but in the future, if we do this, I'd prefer if we we were able to speak on like, like equally as much. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, okay. um, Okay. So um, is that, is that your final uh, thoughts, Elijah? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you, Suha, for bringing me on. Uh, I just want to say it's quite amusing that I'm in the same spot technically Noam Chomsky was in. Yeah, exactly. Top right. Right so by I, Noam Chomsky. Um, yeah. So I'm basically Noam Chomsky, just two steps removed. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. If you really think about it, if you really think about it. Well, anyways, yeah, about, um, about like 75 years apart as well. But yeah, close. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ideologically similar. very similar. Yeah. 
Really? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, me and Noam Chomsky, very, very good friends. Uh, fam- famously uh, well-trained ideologues. But anyways, uh, it was really nice being on. Uh, Rebecca, thank you so much for speaking to me. Uh, Dara, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, have a good day, everyone listening. And I just appreciate that I was able to be on the channel that I respect as much as I respect this one. Yeah, it was uh, great having you, Elijah and Rebecca. Uh, I'm sure you'll both be on uh, soon enough. This was awesome. We're going to move it over to the after party. For those uh, new to Discord, join on the left-hand side. You'll see it says lounge. Click lounge, and you'll be connected via voice. You don't need to speak. You can just listen, but if you want to speak, you can speak. Um, I just dropped Discord in the in the chat. We're going to, next Thursday, we're, doing, we're premiering a new show. It's not going to be a great debate. Let me give a little screen share. Um, check this out. Hold on. What the woke? Our newest show. What the woke is going on, everybody? The idea is to focus on social justice and critical theory. You know, as we know, our bread and butter is Israel Palestine, topic that's close to home, close to heart for many of us. But what we've proven in our little over a year doing this is that this this method of dialogue, our platform really has the ability to bridge the gap on very challenging and controversial topics. We get messages nearly on a weekly basis, people telling telling me that uh, this channel has trans- transformed their, their perspectives. People who told me they never knew the Palestinian narrative and now they understand them. People who told me they used to think Zionism was racism and now they understand that's not inherently the case. So we, we, are, we are transforming people left and right, up and down, side and side. Um, so the, the fact that we know we could do this with Israel-Palestine, we decided to take on another very challenging topic. If we look at what's going on in the United States and many other countries in the world, there's a growing divide between, uh, call it a social justice orthodoxy of sorts, and even uh, their other left-wing counterparts. It's not. This isn't necessarily a left-right divide. This is a divide between a segment of the left and, and others who consider themselves liberals. Um, I view wokeness as a movement with uh, immense energy behind it, and energy is good. Energy helps change the world. Uh, I do have some concerns with how they how this movement is conducting themselves. Um, so we're gonna, you know, bring forth nuanced and respectful conversations on this topic. Very excited. Uh, guest recommendations for this, you know, always reach out to me. Recommendations in general, you could reach out to me. My contact information's in the description and if you want to get in touch with uh rebecca you can find her contact information in the description as well and elijah does not have his contact information because he's remaining anonymous but if you join our discord he's very active there and uh he'd be happy to chat with you there i'm sure of it and with that until next time friends see you in discord